Good morning. Good morning. Right. Worship team, thank you. Thank you. Thank you for not uh, for not putting on a concert every morning, but just bringing us to the presence. Amen. 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 Let you get situated. Let some parents get back. I already got two. I already had two or three people remind me. You promised you'd be nice today. I'm excited. I'm excited to share a message with you this morning. I'm excited that some of you actually paid attention last week and some of you actually invited some people. I'm excited to see some new people here. And I believe uh, none of you surprised God by showing up today. I believe God knew exactly what you were getting yourself into this morning. Amen? So good morning. Uh, we joined thousands of other churches this morning in, in, in kind of coming together for National Back to Church Sunday. And listen, the only reason we do this is a gimmick. The only reason we do this is to get the church to do what it was always called to do. Amen? to be the salt and light of the world and to spread the good news to a broken world. These last few weeks, our, our social medias have been flooded, right? Pray for Houston. Pray for Florida. Pray for Puerto Rico. Pray for Miami. Pray for Mexico. Pray. Next week, the world will, be go, will go back to saying the church is stupid. The church is pointless. The church is not necessary. God is not real. Just think positive. Just do good things. We've had people in the last couple of weeks even just drop off cards at the church. Pray for this one who's, who's this old and they're here and they don't want to evacuate. And pray for this family. And, pray, and we're like... But the, the church this week, the world this week will go back to saying just, just be good. Do what you want to do. And just be good to people. Amen? Until the next tragedy, until the next storm starts heading closer to our way, until something affects us globally or affects somebody personally. But sometimes we pray to God to get us out of a situation when it's God who brought us into the situation to do something in you and through you. I'm not saying this is that, but I'm not saying it isn't either. Amen? So there's a beautiful passage in um, 2 Corinthians 5. It's a, it's a beautiful scripture that shows us that one of God's greatest concerns, hear, hear this, one of God's greatest concerns is, uh, is restoring our relationship to him. It means so much to him that he planned our homecoming before we decided to come home. He made provisions for us to come back before we knew we needed to come back. He sent us directions and a guide before we even knew we were lost. 
Oh, it's going to be like that? All right. The, the scripture says all this comes from God who settled the relationship between us and him and then called us to settle our relationships with each other. Corinthians, Paul says, Paul says the world, God set the world square with himself through the Messiah, giving the world a fresh start by offering forgiveness of sins in Christ. In Christ, God put the wrong on him who never did anything wrong so that we could be right with him. Romans 5a says God demonstrated his love for us while we were sinners, while we were still sinners, while we were still apart from God, while we were still acting ungodly, Christ died for us to make it possible for us to be in right relationship with him. Listen, I wanted that to be the first thing you heard today so that in case you decided to tune me out because you were forced to be here, because somebody paid you to be here, they bribed you, they tricked you, they, 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 what, 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 however you got, I wanted you to hear the gospel in the first three minutes so in case you decided to run out it was all right you already heard what you needed to hear forget everything else the good news is no matter who you are where you came from what you've done there's forgiveness there's restoration there's reconciliation and there's an opportunity to be in right relationship with God today it gets better. And you don't have to light a candle. You don't have to pay some money. You don't have to kneel in front of an empty statue asking it to pray for you or to be in between you and God. You can cry out to God for yourself. And the word says, God hears us. So good morning. That was just for those that might run out because they're like, this is I'm actually in church. Before they wake up and listen, how did I get to church this morning? I'm glad you're here. I want you to be comfortably uncomfortable. That's a title for a whole nother message. That's good. You can listen, you can have your questions about faith, you can have your doubt about God, you can have your issues with religion, your issues with church, but I want you to know we're excited that you're here with us today. This is a safe place. To bring your doubts. And if you stick around a little, I'm, I'm, I, I think you're going to be really surprised. And I pray that you'll be really blessed today. Amen. So here's what I'd like to do today. And I, I might be asking a lot. But if you're here for the first time this Sunday. Or if you're just coming back this Sunday after a long time away. I'm starting a series today. That's also a gimmick. Um, you know, it's a trick. Um, I'm starting a series today. It's a three-message series starting today. Simply titled... Church 101. Church 101. What you need to know about the church and what you should know about us. Amen? And so it's going to be somewhat of an introduction to some and a reminder to others. So it's not just for new people. I think some of us have been in church so long. We've been damaged so long. We've been broken so long. We've forgotten the church 101s. So it's good that we, or some of us started out with the wrong church 101s. Sometimes that's even worse, right? A little bit about us, we started this church 12 years ago. And we've had the same mission and the same vision for the church since the beginning. And, um, you know, a lot of people, it's funny, but I, I talk to, and they keep changing their mission and changing their vision. and change, Like, if God gave you something, stay with it, bro. You think God changed? God never changes, amen? 
So anyway, we've been, we, God has been faithful. We've gone through some, some great times, some blessed times, and we've had some difficult times. And, and all through it all, God has been faithful. We continue building and stretching out and taking the land that God has given us. This year, we took a big step of faith after a really difficult time and started TSF Español, the Spanish arm of TSF, and that team is doing amazing things, and they have an amazing thing going on. There's plenty of time after this service to go get somebody that doesn't speak English and always gave you that excuse and bring them back for 2 o'clock and do the same thing again in Spanish. So what I'd like to do um, today is kind of break down the vision of the church, of this church, of the church, as we talk about global church 101. Three weeks, enjoying God, serving people, building healthy families. That's our vision. That's what God has given us to do. That's what we want to do. So this week, enjoy. So I'm going to challenge you all not to miss any of these. That's, that's the, the trick part. If you're new, you, you're going to be able at the end of those three to just make a real informed, educated decision at the end of the series. If this thing is right for you, if, if those that have been here a long time, this is hopefully going to remind you, going to encourage you, going to stir you up to stop coming to church and start being the church. Amen? Okay, so enjoying God. Why would we choose that to be the first line of our vision? Enjoying God. That sounds weird. See, when you read the scriptures, God calls us. Let's explore that a little bit. God calls us to fear him. A lot of people don't like that. But it's like an ant looking at you saying, I have no, I have no fear of you. God calls us to fear him, to worship him, to obey him, to trust him, to follow him, to love him. But he also expects us thoroughly and passionately to enjoy him. I know this is going to sound weird to some of you. Enjoy, especially you came from real legalistic backgrounds. This is going to mess your whole theology up. Enjoy. God wants us to enjoy our walk with him, to enjoy the journey, to enjoy the adventures of walking with him. Somebody told Christians a long time ago that they have to walk around bored and grumpy because they're religious people. Somebody told Christians somewhere that there can't, but even though the word says there's joy bubbling, there's rivers of joy flowing from my belly, amen, if the spirit of God is in you. But some, somehow we, we were misinformed. But when you're walking the spirit-filled life, you, you never know what's going to happen. You never know where God's going to meet you. You never know what he's going to do, who he's going to bring up. Sometimes you're going to be broke, and it's God teaching you how to trust him and depend on him. Then sometimes you'll find yourself over-blessed, and it's God teaching you how you can be trusted. See, I believe God wants us to enjoy our relationship with him. He gives us, there's no coincidence, he gives us in the scriptures so many examples of marriage so that we can learn from. Don't cry. Marriage, I've been married 28 years and I can tell you there is a lot to learn about relationships. At this point, my focus at home, to be honest with you, is enjoying my relationship with my wife. It's like we've put in the hard work. We've put in the suffering. We've put in the, 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 the reaping, the sowing. We, we've put in all this. Now, my, I'm, I'm at a point where I just want to enjoy my relationship with my wife. We take vacations. We eat out. 
in restaurants a lot. Last year, we built a whole new kitchen. I built a kitchen, and, and, but it's not to be used. It's just so that, so that she can have a nice kitchen. I don't even want her to be cooking in there. We ride motorcycle. We take motorcycle rides together. We just enjoy. You know, I love our talks together. I love our kids. I love our friends. The thing about enjoying a relationship is that at the heart of it, you have to know the person you're in a relationship with. You can't enjoy a relationship with them if you don't really know them. So one of the keys to enjoying God is that you have to really know him. Amen? See, for too long, the picture that we have of God has been a bad one. It's a grumpy, angry, holy man who's, who's not only angry, but he's super distant. And he's so not involved and he's so not connected. And the only emotion I ever thought I could bring to God in the beginning, if anything at all, was disappointment. Anybody ever felt like that? And then I went to Catholic school all my life growing up, so the only emotion that I felt God could give to me was guilt. So disappointment and guilt, what an awesome relationship. Thank so great to be a Christian. And I used to think God is so, must be so disappointed in me. When I, when I tried to really step out and to know God and to serve Him, I ended up in brujeria and santeria, and, and I thought I was serving God. Tell Him you're busy. Or let me answer it. <laughs> Hello, you're interrupting the service. Thank you. I really appreciate it if you don't know. So I used to think, you know, God was so disappointed in me when I tried to serve him. I did that wrong. And, and I didn't enjoy that one bit. It was terrifying to me. It was the worst time of my life. But I thought to be in relationship with God, I had to suffer. I thought, so doing the witchcraft, the white witchcraft that I was doing to counter the black witchcraft to help people, I thought, man, this is what God wanted me to do, and it was, it was wrong. But all I knew was, you know, you, you, you return to what you, what you grew up with, right? So if, you're, if you had a Catholic background, you return to that. If you had some other kind of background, you, 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 you draw to that because that's what you know. That's what your family does. And so that must be, you know, where God is. And so we think we know him, but, but listen, the only way, I know this is like a Christian cliche, but the only way to know him is not religion, it's relationship. It's not rules, it's, it's reading, it's resting in him. A lot of times the picture that we have of, of God is, is the picture of our own fathers. We were, uh, he was talking about that this morning, and oh man, does that create an issue? When, when somebody first hears, God is like your father, you're like, oh, I'm done. I'm out of here. So, so much for that. I don't have to hear another word. Right? Because the picture that we have with that is absent, abusive, distant, cheating, abandoning. Uh, you know. And so when we think he's our father, we connect all that baggage to God. And then the church has done a pretty bad, go- a pretty bad job at changing that picture. With our insecure leaders, our money-hungry preachers, our abusive pastors, dishonest deacons, gossiping church leaders who show no compassion. And sometimes, worst of all, don't clap because I'm going to talk about you. Sometimes, worst of all, it's church people. 
People who come to church but don't do what the word says. And so you wear the Christian t-shirts and you wear the Christian bumper stickers. And I wish you wouldn't. When talking about his church, Jesus said they will know us by our love for one another. Some of us have been in church 20 years and I have to ask, where's the love? Where's the love? First time I do something you don't like, I get attacked. First time somebody messes up, they get condemned. How do we throw them, throw them the hell out of church? Get them out of here. First time, like where's the love? How can, how can we teach people to enjoy God if they can't know him through us? You know the scariest thing? Some people tell me, oh, I'm, gonna bring, I'm bringing somebody to church this week so you can show them, so you can, so, so I can, no, <laughs> no. Whatever I'm going to do on Sunday, you're going to undo Monday through Friday. Paul told people, follow me as I follow him. Can we say that? Can we really say to the people that we invited today or the people that are around us all week, follow me as I follow him? See, depending on your background and what we've come through, religion gives us what Pastor Gary calls in his book a distorted image of God. And I never want to give people the wrong picture of God. My, my biggest fear uh, in ministry and preaching and sharing is that I would portray God in the wrong way. I know it doesn't sound like you guys think I just come up here to have fun. But I'm, I fear that. I want you to see God. I want you to get the right picture of him. Uh, and so what, what I would like to do today, I'm going to give you a different perspective, a different picture of God to meditate on this week. Romans 1.20. Check this out. Romans 1.20 says, since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, his eternal power, and his divine nature have been clearly seen because they're understood through what has been made. So that people are without excuse. So what is the scripture saying? Everything good that God is can be seen in everything good that God's made. You follow? Watch this. You guys know um, <clears throat> that I have a granddaughter. I talk about her all the time. And she has me wrapped around every one of her little chubby fingers. And, and, and the one thing that she, that, that she does at least once a day, she'll grab my phone. She'll say, phone, 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 phone. Hi, Emmy. How you doing? Phone, phone, phone. I love you. Phone, phone. And then she'll grab the phone and she'll go, bugs, bugs, bugs. So you want to see bugs? Yes, please. And so I'll Google bugs and we'll scroll through at least a dozen bugs, insects. Yes, this is what I do. And every insect, she'll comment, oh, that's scary. Oh, that's so weird. Or if they're little, she go, oh, they're so cute. They're so cute. All, all day. At least before she gets bored. And I want to show you some of those bugs. Trust me, there's a reason. Because I want you to keep in mind, Romans 1.20, that everything that, that is good about God can be seen in what God has created. Amen? So, so look, let, let, let's, let's look at a couple of these bugs. Let's you know, turn the lights down a little bit and... and, and as a matter of fact, bring the master all the way down and just kill these. Look, look, at, look, at some of these, look at some of these bugs. Bugs. 
That's an insect. Look, look, look at this. Look at this. Now, I can't help but imagine, and I have this revelation every day because we have to go through this. I can't help but look at this. Look at this. Look at this. That's a frog. Look, that's a moth. Look, look, keep it there. That's a beetle with a tiki mask. Watch this, watch this. I can't help but look at these pictures and see the amazing colors and the amazing patterns and the designs and the shapes. And, and, and I think what kind of cosmic Photoshop would it take to draw these patterns on these bugs? And then I have to ask God, why would you waste This kind of color, why would you waste this kind of attention, this kind of detail on, on, a, on an insect? It's like, it's like um, I'm going to a, a custom car shop, you know, to, to pimp my ride shop, right? California Customs, whatever. It's like going there and saying, listen, this is what I want. And you bring these, these pictures and you bring, and I want this pattern and I want it to color change from the front to the back. So if you're looking at it this way, it's going to be red. If you're looking at it this way, it's going to be green. And I want, I want these lines and I want these flames and I want, and the guy's like, all right, it's going to be expensive. He's like, listen, I don't care what it costs, man. You ready? You ready? And we're excited. We're excited. And then you say, okay, I'm going to go get the car. And you drive in your 98 minivan with 197,000 miles on it. And the guy's like, whoa, dude, you want me to do a $25,000 paint job on this? So what is God declaring in nature if we, if we say that everything that, that's good about God, God declares in what has been made and we can see his invisible qualities and we can see his attributes and his nature. What, what, what is God declaring when he wastes extravagant design on a bug? Could he be telling us what you think is extravagant, what you think is so amazing, what impresses you? I put that on my bugs. I put that on insects. How much more have I done for you? How much more do I want to give to you? How much more detail? How much more attention do I want to give you? If you were only ready to receive it. So what does it tell us about his nature? Consider the moth. Give me that, that moth. That is not a monkey. That is a moth. Here's the, the face, the little, the little, you know, head. Those are his wings. Give me the other one, the next moth. You see the snake heads? That's not a snake heads. Those are the wings of a moth. See the little moth? Oh, wow. Now you sound like Emmy. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh, wow. That's amazing. <laughs> She says, oh, my goodness. <laughs> Oh my goodness. Just leave, just leave everything just like this. So consider the moth. There are certain species of moths and a lot of other animals and insects that have on their backs or on their necks or on their wings the, a picture of their predator's enemy. I love, I love the way evolutionists 
um, explain this. This is just a random pattern of DNA that's smashed together and it order, order just by accident looks like the enemy of the predator that's their enemy. So evolutionists say this just happened by accident. How many of you think that we can have two snakeheads on a moth wing by accident? That's an amazing accident. I wish I could get into some accidents like that. So to protect the moth the, or the weird bug with the tiki face on his back, right? God went through the trouble, the elaborate paint job and design. God uses colors and patterns and shapes. to. We get camouflage from, from bugs, from studying animals. How much more is God saying how much more would he not do for us? How much more has he not done for us? Are you starting to get a different picture of God? Are you starting to be amazed by the wonder of God in the, in the bug animal world? Come on. The word says he's our shield. He's our sword. He's our glory. He's the lifter of our head. He's our rock, our refuge. He's my shield and my horn of salvation. He's my stronghold, my refuge and my savior. He says, even here in the valley of the shadow of death, we can walk and fear no evil because my God has painted a face on my back. That my enemy doesn't want to entangle with. See, when I talk about enjoying God, the, the bottom line is that every good and perfect gift is from the Father of lights. <coughs> I can enjoy a sunset, cool breeze on a hot day, and say, God, you did that. I can enjoy a, the scenery, the sky, the clouds, and say, God, my, my God did that. Amen? We enjoy these things. We enjoy life. We're, we're, we're acknowledging and we're enjoying God. Psalm 19, 1 says, the heavens declare the glory of God and the sky above proclaims his handiwork. So let's explore this picture a little bit more. Let's, let's, let's go to the beginning. Let's go in the scriptures where, where we first meet this God. Amen? I love talking about this. This is my, like my favorite thing to, to share. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God. And the Word was God, and He was God in the beginning. Through Him, all things were made. Without Him, nothing was made that has been made. So the universe, let's, let's look at this from a scientific point of view first. The universe, atheists and evolutionists talk about a big bang theory. And they say that they can prove every little piece of this thing with science. Not true, but they claim they can prove every little piece of it with science. The only problem that they have, <laughs> just one little problem, they refer to as the unknown first cause. See, science has determined that the universe wasn't always, it wasn't eternal. They've determined scientifically that the universe had to have a beginning. So it had to start at some point. So now for the universe to have a beginning, whatever created it had to be outside of it. Right? Because you can't create something if I can't create a me, you know, like out of me. Because, so I have to be out. So, so to create the universe, the universe I'm talking about, the planet, the earth, the sun, the moon, the galaxies, the Milky Way, the whole nine, right? So to create the universe, whatever created the universe had to be outside of the universe. That means it had to be outside of space and time. 
And, and scientists will say they don't know what that is, but they're absolutely positive it's not God. <laughs> and so what they refer to it as, as the unknown first cause. This unknown first cause, follow me please, this is incredible. This unknown first cause did such an amazing job at fine-tuning the universe that we could not have life here as we know it without... Listen, the oxygen level on the earth had to be set to precisely 21%. Because at 25, fires would erupt everywhere. And at 15, human beings would suffocate slowly. The atmosphere had to have the precise levels of nitrogen, oxygen, and carbon dioxide. Or life couldn't be sustained here. Are we getting excited yet? If the carbon dioxide levels were too high, then we'd all burn up. And if there were any lower, the plants couldn't maintain photosynthesis, so there could be no life here. By the way, the plants, I love this part, the plants take in carbon dioxide and they release oxygen. You guys remember that in science? And man takes in oxygen and releases carbon dioxide. What a stinking coincidence. The gravitational interaction had to be just right or the water would cause tidal effects on the oceans and climate instabilities. And they're, like we're starting to see now as we're tampering with stuff, but that's a whole other message. Um, and no life could live here. If the gravitational force were altered, look at this. If the gravitational force were altered by point, bunch of zeros and one, So that means less like a point of 1%. If they were altered, then our sun wouldn't exist and we'd have no life here. If the water vapor levels in our atmosphere were greater, then the temperatures would rise too high. And if there were any less, the earth would be too cold. No life could live here. If the crust of the earth, the rotation, the axis tilt, if any of them were off, even just a little, we're talking percentages. This whole thing wouldn't work and there could be no life here. Genesis identifies the unknown first cause. In the beginning, God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And as we read through the Genesis, through, through the Genesis story, and we get the, the picture of everything that had to happen so that you and I could have a life here, we see this beautiful picture of God. As he created the universe with everything that we could need for life and for food and for nourishment and for enjoyment and to keep us occupied, to give us a purpose. You see, if, if, if evolution and, 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 and uh, atheism, if all that is correct, we are just an accident, a cosmic accident. So we just created, we evolved, we have no purpose. There's no purpose. And then we can't argue what's good and what's, what's evil what's, because we have no basis to decide what's good and evil because there's no morality, there's no code because we're purposeless. So if I want to shoot four of you, I shoot four of you. It doesn't matter and none of you should be outraged because we're just an accident. It doesn't matter. We're, we're chromosomes, we're amoebas that struck. And You, you understand? So, so God creates this this universe and everything that we can need for life and, and, and for food and for nourishment. And he gives us purpose. He gives us something to do. He creates a garden called Eden, the word says. Eden in Hebrew means delight. It means pleasure. 
So God creates a place of delight and pleasure. And he puts man in the center of it. And here's where we get the image twisted. We look at God as this cosmic rule giver, this fun sucker. Every, all that he says is don't, don't do this and don't do that yet and don't do that until this and don't ever do that and this don't ever do and this don't do and thou shalt not this and thou shalt not that. But the true picture in Genesis is so different. The first commands from God for us to follow after he did all that he did to prepare. Imagine he prepares this incredible, I built this incredible house for you with a backyard, with swings for the kids, with, with stainless steel, everything in his mother in the house. And I create this incredible house for you. And then I put you, I give you the keys and I put you in the center of this house. Get that picture of God. I make everything perfect for you. And then I put you in the center of it, a place called pleasure. And then he says, I've prepared all of this for you. Eat and enjoy each other. And procreate. It says Adam and Eve were naked and they were not ashamed. And, and he tells them, be fruitful and multiply and take dominion of the earth and take dominion over all these things. So the first commands to, from God to man is eat and... <laughs> Check it out. <laughs> like I made this. I did this. You know, we, we, some, some of us have a twist that that's real dirty. God created that. Send the children out now. <laughs> so those are his, and, and, and what does he say? He says, be fruitful, be mul and multiply, take dominion. All, all this is you. I've given you every plant bearing seed for you to eat. That means he's saying, I gave you mangoes and I gave you pineapples. And for you weird Spanish people, I gave you canepas. <laughs> and I gave you avocado. Right? He said, I've given you everything. He said, every, every tree in this garden of pleasure is for you. I've given you dominion over, and, but, then, but then God has to test us. He says, just one thing. That one tree in the center of the garden, don't eat from that tree. And we make God this fun sucker, this, this thou shalt not, thou shalt. No, he said, do everything else. I'm giving you one thing just to see that you trust me, just to see that you understand, or just to see that you love me. There's one tree in the middle. Don't eat from that one tree. Today we make God this angry father and the Bible, this book of thou shalt nots, and that's not God's heart. That's not his, his way, amen? God gave man so many yeses, but what happens? You know the story. The one tree that God says don't eat from, that's where they like put up a bench and they want to like chill here. Isn't that just like us? We want to see how close we can get without, you know, actually being sinful or without actually 
So he said, don't touch this, this, this one tree. Don't eat from this one tree. And, and Adam and Eve are having a picnic around it. They have their blanket, their mangoes all sliced up. They're, and they're, they're either canepas, okay, because he's Dominican. And, and they're, they're right there and they're just, just having. And, and the enemy comes and finds the couple in the middle of the garden of delight. And he does what he still does this very day. Listen, church. He gets us to doubt God's goodness by making us focus on his protection. So he asks a question and he plants a seed. And that question and that seed still affect us today. He asks Eve, did God really say that you can't eat from any of the trees in this garden? Enemy knows what God said there. But he exaggerating God's parameters. Because he's, he's painting God's goodness to be cruel. He's saying, man, this God put you in a garden of all these amazing trees and he told you you can't have any. Isn't that cruel? What a cruel God you serve. <coughs> and she says, if, listen, if there's one reason many people today don't enjoy God today is because the enemy has used the same twisted theology on the word today. Why would God give us, why would God create sexuality if he didn't want us to just share it with everybody? Because God sets things in order for us. He gives us. He's a yes, yes, yes. His promises are yes and amen, the word says. But we focus on the protection. He said, listen, this is not good if you give it away to everybody. If you give it away to everybody, it ceases to be special. It, it'll connect you with everybody and you're not meant to connect with everybody. You're not meant to be one with everybody. Whenever you become one in the act of, 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 of sexual, I'm sorry, but in that act we become one, the word says. And then when we go to the next one, we have to rip apart. And so there's pieces left here and pieces of you left here and we get with somebody else and we become one again. And then, and then this is not working out. And, and so it's another, you know, this. And so we got to separate the one and we rip apart and there's a piece of me left here and a piece of me left here. And by the time you, you keep, uh, this is not a good thing, but, but that's probably not a good thing to do, sorry. But by the time you keep joining with then it, there's no, you lose the, the, the oneness. There's no stickability, I, I used to say as a, to my youth 100 years ago. And so that's why it's so hard for us to stay married. That's why it's so hard for us, but we'll leave that to building healthy families. But that's why it's so hard because we violate God's incredible design. So Eve answers, no, we could eat from any tree. That's not what God said. We could eat from any tree, just not that one. He said, if we even touch that one, we'll die. God didn't say that. See, so the warning and the consequence that God gave them ahead of time, the enemy says, surely you're not going to die. He plants the seed. He says, God doesn't want you to eat from that tree because he knows if you eat from that tree, you'll be like 
God. And that's our issue today. We want to violate God's consequences. We want to violate God's laws because we want to be God. We want to be like God. Every cult that rises up tells you at some point you can be like God. What does that mean? You don't have to answer to anybody. You don't have to be accountable to anybody. You do you. Do what feels good. God wants you to be happy. And you could be happy in you and eventually you be God. Worship team, come. See, the enemy exaggerates the law and minimizes the consequences. Amen. So church 101, who are you going to listen to? Are you going to listen to what God says? And enjoy what he's given us with the parameters and enjoy a relationship with him. Enjoy a relationship with each other. I don't know if you've ever lived. I know, I know some of your backgrounds. So. I know some of you lived a certain way. And you know when you live a certain way, man, you always got to watch your back. You always got to... Wait, what did I tell this person? I told this one, no, 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 wait, 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 wait. No, no, this one lives in this neighborhood, so I can't bring her to this neighborhood. No, wait, 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 wait. I got to stay in Queens with this one. Wait, 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 wait. Wait, wait, I told this one I'm in Brooklyn. I got to be, wait, 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 wait. I told this one I didn't. I told this one I would pay him back this time, but I took this, but I did this, but I didn't. And, and you know when you live that way, man. We can't enjoy a relationship with anybody. We can't enjoy life. We can't uh, can't enjoy God. So are we going to overlook his goodness and disregard the consequence and think that we can somehow be like God? See, it may be the great sin of the church in our generation is trivializing the goodness of God. I don't think we talk about the goodness of God enough. I think for too long the church has just been stuck on managing your behavior. Stop sleeping around, stop sinning, stop lying, but come on. Instead of saying, look, God is so good. That if you understood his plan for you, You'd stop sleeping around, stop sinning, stop lying. You stop doing it. Because he's so good and his plan is so perfect. I want you to note that even there in the garden after the fall, God took the initiative to seek out the sinners and to reestablish a relationship with them. The evidence of God's love is his unwillingness to abandon those he loved, even when they failed to do his will. The word says they were naked and ashamed now, and they hid from him. And God sought them out, called them to himself, and he provided a covering for them. And he does the same for you and me today. He calls us from wherever we're hiding He calls us out from whatever the mask that we're wearing. He calls us out and he draws us to himself 
And then he covers us with his righteousness, with his goodness. He's a good God, amen? Can we just stand and pray for a moment? Psalm 1-1 says, Blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners or sit in the seat of mockers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. And on his law, he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water which yield its fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. Whatever he does prospers my prayer for you today that you would come out of hiding that you would understand that you would get this picture of God that God so cares for a moth that to us is an annoyance I have a bug zapper at home I zap them sorry they annoy me God cares for them so much that he would design a protection, that he would... How much more does God love us and have a plan for us and and have a protection system in place for us? The church is a protection system for some of us. So listen, wherever you are today, whether you've been here a hundred years or you're, you're new, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. You need to come out of hiding. You need to come out behind that. God is asking today, where are you? Where are you? Adam said, we, we were naked, so we hid. We were uncovered, so we hid. We were exposed, so we hid. And and God said, who told you you were naked? Who told you? And God, right there, created the first sacrifice and made clothes for them. Put a, it's a picture of God putting a covering on them. And, and today, I, 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 there's, there's nothing more that God wants to do is to have you come out of hiding and just clothe you. Romans says when we believe, he clothes us in righteousness. He takes all the wrong that we did and puts it on all the right that was done for us in Christ. And we're clothed in righteousness. So if you're, I know this is kind of a hard call, but if you're hiding, come out. I know we don't, like, we don't want to be judged by people. And, and if we're still doing that, then we shouldn't even be a church. We're here to be with you, to stand with you, to encourage one another. And so I, I, I wish some of us would come out of hiding. If you just want to say, God, I just want to come. And I just need to be clothed in your righteousness today. God, I want to bring my filthy rags. I want to bring the the religion that I had and the religiosity that I've been taught all these years and I just want that uncovered and I want to start fresh with you. Would you, as we worship, would you just kind of come forward and just kind of give it all to God? Nobody's looking at you. Amen. Amen. Come on.
today and I don't want you to leave without saying okay God I surrender I remember when I was a teenager and I sat in that seat and I said God if you want me to move you're gonna have to push me there yourself and I remember that day when someone says I know that you're sitting there waiting to move I don't know how I got to that altar but I did but this morning you don't even have to come up here but I don't want you to leave here without saying, Jesus, I hear you. I hear you knocking at the door to my heart. And right now, right here, where I am, I surrender. So as we close this morning, for those who are here desiring to be clothed again in his garments and know that it is done, know that it is done, that God has made you clean, that the blood of Jesus has purified, has sanctified, has restored. And as we pray, if that's you, just lift a hand up as we pray wherever you are. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are good enough, that you are sufficient. Lord, we come before you in our sin, in our weaknesses, Lord, in our lacking. And we come to you because we know you have the answer. Because we know that you have touched us and we are no longer the same, oh God. So Lord, right now we come to you, the author and the finisher of our faith. We come to you expecting you to strengthen us so we can continue our walk before you. So we can be changed and not just moved, oh God. We come to you, oh God, asking you to provide a way where things seem helpless, oh God. But with you on our side, we know we can make it. So Father, forgive us, help us, strengthen us. And most importantly, as your word says, be Emmanuel, God with us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, Lord. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your restoration. Thank you for your second chance, God. Thank you, God, that we have a second chance, God, to move, to walk, to breathe, to love, to forgive, to hope, oh God, to be healed. Oh, congregation, be exciting, excited this morning and go forth in his victory, in his power, and in his might. You are a blessing. So go and be one. God bless you. Yeah.